What up, Landos? This is Kelso, and this is the Kelso Lando Show. I always want to say Kelso Lando Pod. It just rolls off the tongue that way. <laughs> but, um, but it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme, according to Sam. And Sam is, <laughs> as we've learned by the book, he's... <laughs> according to me, it doesn't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Kelso Lando Pod? Yeah. It yeah. doesn't rhyme? Yeah. I mean, according I guess there's two, two rhymes versus three. Kelso Lando show. What? What's the other? Oh, Kelso rhymes with Lando. Rhymes with show. Yeah. Well, my my thinking on it was that it didn't need to rhyme because even though it rhymes, I feel like it rolls off the tongue a little less. Guys, we're getting into the nitty gritty of just branding. This is behind the scenes. This is behind the scenes. <laughs> There's been a lot of thought in marketing that's gone into this podcast. Clearly, a lot. A lot. A lot. Um. Okay, well, let's just let's just dive right into it, as Ed Sheeran would say. Um, and I'll introduce our our guest today, which is my lovely fiance, Sam. Hello, hello. I always want to say your last name. Okay, we're first names only basis at this point in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam's gonna he's he's on today to explain a few things to me. <laughs> he's, he's here to mansplain. No, it's not mansplaining. I'm here to it's Sam explaining <laughs> when Sam explains it cuz really he is just trying to help me understand the world. And the thing is, I don't think I'm a dumb person. I think I'm pretty average, maybe a little above average. I can read critically, I think. Um, but I think Sam's smarter than me. That's not that's I, I'll, I'll stipulate to that. Yeah, I think we're smarter in different things. He, that's what he says. He's trying to be diplomatic about it. But the thing is, I mean, I would say, yeah, I know, obviously I know more about certain subjects than you. I feel like that's the general, like, human disposition. But um, Sam is just smarter than me. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I mean, at least by my own, um, yeah, my own measure. Because I don't think, I feel like that's part of the reason... I fell in love with you is because I think you're so smart, which I don't know if that's shallow, um, but I think that's the opposite of shallow maybe, but okay. Cause to me, <laughs> I just, I think if I thought you were my own level of intelligence, I probably wouldn't, I would probably think you were kind of dumb maybe. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think you told me this, but there's like studies that show that like women are a lot less likely to date someone who has like a uh, lesser amount of education than men yeah i saw i saw like um a graph once Mm -hmm. with the data showing that basically the idea is women if you have higher education you're not gonna you're less likely to date down um i think a good example is our friend jackie Mm -hmm. who she's an optometrist and she's single and she dates people and I think like I was talking to her once and she's like I'm thinking about only going on dates with people who have their masters which (laughs) she's like an employer yeah I was like it seems a little elitist to me because I I, okay I don't think Sam's smarter than me because he's more educated because he's not more educated I'm not you're Um, more educated well you're gonna be more you're gonna he's working on his masters right now but technically I am more educated than him so I, I personally have never felt like I'm very anti-academic elitism. Mm-hmm. I really like hate like the idea of like, oh, like I have to go to Harvard or something like that. I'm not 
really articulating the reasons why I hate all that stuff right now. But, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, um, I just think Sam is smarter than me and that's just been based on our conversations. Um, so Sam, so we've had him on a few times to explain some stuff to me and that's one of my favorite things about him is when he can dumb things down for me, <laughs> dumb like really complicated co- topics, sorry, down and distill them in a way that is easy to consume. And that's why he's here today because we're going to talk about something that I don't understand at all. And that is room temperature superconductors. Yeah. Woo. Woo. <laughs> really, really hot, sexy yeah. topics coming at you. They're, they are so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so hot. You know, they're, they're, um, they're the top they're, of the town. They're in. They're in. They're so in. if you're wondering what's going to be in in 2024, it's room temperature superconductors. So yeah, like get on that train now. Lossless energy transfer. Loss. Oh my God. That's so hot. Say yeah. it again. <laughs> Lossless energy transfer. Wow. <laughs> it's funny because I said it's hot, which is also energy. Actually, it's the opposite. It's cool. So this is a no. good... Uh, yeah, well, I guess it. Yeah, this is a good transition, but it's the opposite of hot in the sense that you don't lose any energy, and heat is a form of energy loss, right? Right. Like it's energy leaving a system. Wait, that's why I'm going to interject my like dumb little um, example. I think that's good. I, maybe we could just do that throughout this. Okay, so like you know your car. AC will sometimes go out. At least my car's AC always goes out, but your heat never does. You know why? Because your car heat is just a byproduct of the engine heat. And so it doesn't, like, it won't go out because if it goes out, that means your engine's not working. Um, Exactly. You can't drive your car. So that's why your car heater works all the time because it's just lost energy. So Mm -hmm. when you're not using the heater in the summer... Um, it's still producing all that heat. You're just not benefiting from it. Yeah. He's going to want to close that window, huh? <laughs> if you're <laughs> fine with it, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it for now. Okay. It did distract me a little bit, the ice cream truck noise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyways, that's an example of, um, yeah, just how inefficient, like, at least car engines are. Yep. Um, and yeah. How- yeah. And so, like, yeah, like, inefficiency, right? Like... Every time you transfer energy, like right now, um, we use like wires made out of metal. Um, So like copper mostly. Um, And with those, those are conductors. So maybe we could like do a little background. Yeah, you're going to have to teach me because I I just tried to Google like what is the significance of a room temperature superconductor? Because I understand what a conductor is, right? Like a conductor... Mm -hmm metals all metals or can you have a non-metal conductor uh yeah i mean things can conduct so um water conducts electricity right the reason you don't want to be in a pool during a lightning storm is because if lightning strikes the pool anywhere and you're in it the water will conduct electricity that's why if you it's really dangerous right if you you know drop a um toaster in your bathtub exactly right um the toaster is touching water somewhere, but the water's transferring electricity to you. So is water a good conductor? Um, it's not a great conductor of electricity compared to like things like copper. Is that because it's like 
so like a copper wire can be really small and like direct and whatnot, like from mm-hmm. point A to point B, whereas water, it's just like a body of water. So anything touching it, like you could get like collateral damage. Is that why it's a bad? What makes it a bad conductor? Sorry, I'm getting in the Well, lead. it's just, okay, so what's electricity, right? Electricity is just electrons. That's a good question. What is electricity? Yeah, so electric- electricity is electrons, right? Uh-huh. So an atom has a nucleus. Okay. That's made up of protons and neutrons. Okay. You okay. ever seen like the picture, right, of like a classic atom, right? There's like a nucleus in the middle. It's made mm-hmm. up of protons and, and, and neutrons. And then there's like little like circles going around it and all these like different orientations, right? So the protons and neutrons are in the middle and then the circles are the electrons, right? Yep, exactly. Fun fact, free radicals are, um, I don't know what, they're like little molecules that go around stealing electrons. Yes, exactly. I knew that. And antioxidants. Yeah. They neutralize free radicals by giving them. Um. Electrons? I mean, this is, yeah, maybe a little off topic. Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, so um, this is separate from, like, electricity, like, electron transfer. These are just Um, regular electrons. But um, there's reducers and there's oxidizers in chemistry. And um, a, a reducer is something that readily gives up electrons, so it usually is some kind of compound that has too many electrons. Okay. Because going back to the atom, um, you have protons and neutrons, mm-hmm. right? And electrons that circle around. Yeah. And so protons are positively charged. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Neutrons are neutrally charged. They don't have a charge. Mm-hmm. And then electrons are negatively charged. Got it. So a stable atom will have the same number of protons and the same number of electrons. Mm-hmm. So a reducer is usually a compound that has more electrons than protons. So it, it wants to give those electrons up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and an oxidizer is the opposite of a reducer. So it's a steel. It has more protons than electrons. Mm-hmm. So it wants to take electrons from other things. Free radicals are um, oxidizers, which means that they will take electrons from things. Mm -hmm. And antioxidants are um, reducers, meaning that they will give electrons to things. The reason the free radicals are bad is because they take electrons from things in your body. Your cells. From atoms in your cells, Mm -hmm. which um, is bad. Probably because those atoms need those electrons. And then what happens is they probably need those electrons. And if it takes an electron from an atom that forms a cell, that cell's DNA might be messed up by that, I think. Yeah, I mean, because DNA is made out of atoms, Mm -hmm. right? So if an atom in a strand of DNA loses an electron and becomes destable, I don't know, maybe it like messes up like the... Um, form of the DNA. Mm-hmm. Or there could be some sort of tumor suppressing gene that you have that the free radical messes up. Mm-hmm. And then sen- suddenly you have cancerous cells that aren't being suppressed because some free radical messed up your DNA in a certain cell mm-hmm. or two. And yeah, and then you have cancer, which is why they say like um, free radicals like are 
cancerous, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess they can cause cancer. Whereas it sounds like antioxidants are reducers because they're kind of the opposite of free radicals. Free radicals go around taking mm-hmm. um, electrons, but antioxidants go around giving electrons. So instead of taking one from your cell, if you eat a blueberry, the blueberry be, might be like, hey, here, have my electron instead. Yeah, because it's all, this has been a long time since like chemistry, um, but like it's, um, it's all like energy levels in atoms. For, Stabilizing things. For Yeah, for electrons, like some atoms are fine with the electrons that they have. Uh-huh. And that's probably like the atoms in your DNA, um, like they're stable. And then some atoms, like um, free radicals, really, really need an electron. So much so that they might even steal it from an atom that's just happy. It's so funny that they can just steal it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and an antioxidant really, really, really wants to give up an electron. It reminds me of like a gold. It reminds me of the video we watched this morning of the thief taking the bike and the golden retriever in the garage, yeah. <laughs> begging for pets. He's the golden retriever is the antioxidant, just begging you to steal the bike, steal my bike. Yeah, and the thief is the free radical trying to steal a bike somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's why blueberries are. Important. I I think a better example is. <laughs> I think the better example would be like <laughs> if if you had like a guy who really wanted to steal a bike uh-huh. and normally what he does is he breaks into your house and he steals a bike and that you don't like that. Like you're the DNA, right? Yeah. Um, like I an, need that bike to go to work. Yeah. Like you're an atom in the DNA <laughs> um, and maybe... Um, and, and the thief is the free radical, like trying to steal the bike and yeah. the bike's an electron and you're an atom in a piece of DNA and an antioxidant would be like someone who's going around just giving away bikes. Like a nonprofit. Yeah. Just handing out bikes. And so instead of stealing your bike, maybe the thief will just take one of those bikes and just be on his way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you eat antioxidants. It's like capitalism, <laughs> but for biology. Yeah, that's funny. I never actually really thought about how an antioxidant works, but yeah. I mean, I did listen to that Stuff You Should Know episode, I think. I feel like a lot of times when I listen to those episodes, you're in the car because we're on a road trip. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where I got the basis of my knowledge in free radicals. Okay. And one of the main things I remember from that episode is that um, hydrogen peroxide has free radicals. Like it's a, it's kind of an unstable thing. Which is interesting because okay. we use it to like treat wounds and stuff. Like I, I put it in my mouthwash. Interesting. So I think about that now sometimes, not to freak everyone out. I still use it, but I don't know. There's only so many things you can protect yourself against. Yeah. Just eat those blueberries and kale every once in a while. And right. Hope yeah. for the best. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's like everything gives you cancer. <laughs> well, you're, you're meant to die. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a losing battle. Right. When you're trying to protect against all the things trying to kill you. Cause yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't let it stress you out too much, but we can, we can get back to the, the sexier topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so what's okay. So, so every, with most energy transfers, there's energy loss due to inefficiency, Yeah, which comes out as heat most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, first of all, we've talked about conductors a little bit, but what is a superconductor? Yeah. So, 
like I was kind of trying to explain how a conductor like um, copper or something Mm -hmm. will like conduct electricity, Mm -hmm. right? But there's always going to be some loss um, because electricity is just electrons flowing around, Uh right? And so what will happen is like those electrons, instead of just smoothly like flowing through like a copper wire, it'll like bump into things. Like it'll bump into, you know, other atoms or um, just like things in copper. Uh Um, So there's always going to be inefficiencies and like energy loss. Um, A superconductor is a material like a conductor, which conducts electricity, Mm -hmm. but there's zero energy loss through a conductor. Through a superconductor. How is that possible? Some physics that I don't understand. (laughs) So I think it's mostly based around, well, so there's different theories on what causes superconduction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it's based around like quantum physics. Um, So really small physics. Yeah, smaller than atoms. Guys, I'm a I'm a humanity social science gal, so um. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like why are certain materials superconductors? I think that's a little beyond my pay grade. Uh-huh. But um, but something to do with quantum physics, which is like Well, there's different theories. Um okay. and this is actually something like that's kind of interesting um is like the m- new material that they've discovered uh-huh. is they think maybe based on a different theory of superconduction than the one that the other superconductors we have are based Mm. on. So we have theories for superconduction Mm -hmm. and we've been looking for a superconductor and this one that's recently been kind of discovered is based on a different theory of superconduction. We don't... Might be. Yeah. No one knows. No one knows, but it might be. Yeah. In... If that's the case, if we have like prominent theories of superconduction, would that, I guess this is kind of, I'm just asking for your opinion, but would that maybe perhaps limit the like ideas of what a superconductor might be? And I guess if that question doesn't make any sense, like I'll give an example, like gravity is like the theory of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's how like our solar system works. That's how everything works. Um, so we try to always explain things within that theory could like having a theory that we base most things off of, like in this case, could that be a reason why like we haven't thought of this conductor, superconductor until now, or is it just one of those things where it's like, we really don't know much about the subject. And so the theories on superconductors aren't that controlling of where research has gone. I have no idea. He has no idea. Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about the theory of superconduction. But do you think that's like a possibility? Some like, like Yeah, I mean, that's probably one reason why it's taken so long for someone to look at this substance in particular is because according to this, everything I heard, uh, like the people researching this material mm-hmm. um, were looking at alternative theories of superconduction. Before this. Before this. Yeah. Okay. Because I always wonder that with science, like it makes sense that we have theories and stuff because we're trying to discover what we don't know. Mm -hmm. So you have to have some sort of like, I mean, in anything, there's usually a thesis or like some sort of basis that you're trying to test, Mm -hmm. which I guess frames your entire question sometimes. But if your frame is wrong, then it could mess up the questions you ask. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's just interesting. I feel like that's like the social part of science, you know, mm-hmm. like how, how has like the scientific theory that we've worked out, like how does that limit us in some ways? But then it also makes us ask pointed questions, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm going too far off this. Anyways, so, <laughs> so this, so we're talking about superconductors, um, and then a superconductor for whatever reason is just a conductor that doesn't have any inefficiencies, doesn't lose any heat. Like mm-hmm. the atoms are not bouncing off the walls of like the copper, um, copper wire. It's just flowing free and fast. So. What are, like, the implications of having just, like, an easy superconductor in general? Like, what it, what would be the benefit of having, well, I guess a room temperature superconductor? Because yeah, so based think- on the, I guess based on the fact that it's exciting that there's a room temperature superconductor, I'm guessing that we've been able to develop other superconductors that aren't operable at room temperature, which doesn't really work out for most everyday uses. Yeah. So a room temperature superconductor, what are the implications? Um, I mean, do you want me to describe like why we haven't been able to discover room temperature superconductors? I mean, whatever, however you want to, I mean, could we start with the, like why it's exciting? Yeah. I think that's. Yeah. Cause I, cause I don't know why I should care at okay. this point. I mean, so basically, um, anything that has to do with electricity transfer, um, you can do without any losses. Um, so like, I mean, just, just think about like anytime you use electricity right now, we lose electricity Mm -hmm. through that process of transferring it. Mm -hmm. Um, if you had superconducting wires, um, that operate at room temperature, there wouldn't be any energy loss. So we'd have a lot more energy. So first of all, we'd have a lot more energy. Um, just like very basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what would that like enable? So um, one thing is, uh, for example, um, there's been like um, a lot of s- studies into like uh, nuclear fusion, right? Mm-hmm. Which, do you know what that is? I know there's fission and fusion. One is taking an atom apart and one is putting it together. Yep, yeah. I don't know which one is which and I don't know which one... Can't remember which one we, and it's also what creates like an atomic bomb, right? Yeah. So yeah, nuclear fission is what what causes an atomic explosion. Nuclear fission. Fission. Is that coming together or breaking apart? That's breaking apart. Okay. So that should be easier to remember. I'm trying to think of a mnemonic to remember fission for breaking apart. Um, Well, so the way I think about it is fusion is fusing something together. That's good. That's good. Um, And so... Fission is something that we've been able to do since we've had the atomic bomb. Right? Which is topical because Oppenheimer just came out. Yep. So uh, hitting that. Yeah. So um, So fission apart. Yep. Got it. And we've been able to do that since like the 40s. Okay. Okay. Um, and it releases, right, it's a, like a nuclear bomb. It releases a ton of energy. Like mm-hmm. nuclear reactors are based off of fission. Do we know why it re- releases a ton of energy when you break an atom apart? Well, just think about like in an atom, there's energy holding it together. Okay? Okay. Like It's just potential energy. Exactly. Just sitting there holding it together. And so when you break an atom apart, it will expel that energy. 
That's crazy. So how did it get the energy in the first place? Is that like a big bang theory kind of thing? Like probably quantum <laughs> physics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy to think that like you have an atomic bomb within you. If some, yeah, I mean, I guess. Because of the mere fact that you have atoms that could be split. Yeah. Like you, you have so many atoms in you. Right. You have so much potential, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Potential energy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like a, a motivational poster. I mean, honestly though, like to think that you could probably destroy the planet, your body alone. If enough no, scientists. probably not. But if enough scientists took you apart and tried to split your atoms. I don't know if we Maybe. we can do that yet, but it's just like the idea of it excites me. Yeah. We're all little weapons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just walking around. I'm just... Radioactive. I'm just potential. All potential, baby. You are. Um, what were you talking about? Um, atoms have potential energy, fission, fusion. You were talking... You got onto nuclear, like... Oh, fission versus fusion. Yeah, and how that relates to superconductors. Yeah, so... So that's fission, right? Yeah. Fusion is where you take atoms and you fuse them together. Uh-huh. Um, so like you take two different atoms and you fuse them together? Yeah. Into one atom? Yes. And that releases way more energy. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone know? Um, I'm sure we do. Some people yeah. have ideas. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That um, seems crazy to me. It seems like God's like weird rule, like board game rules, you know, Uh huh. where he's like, okay, you take one atom apart, pretty catastrophic, but you put two together, that's how you win the game, you mm-hmm. know? Well, so that's what happens in the sun. <laughs> oh, the sun is fusion? The sun is a fusion reactor. So the sun knows how to do it. The sun knows how to do it. <laughs> and the sun's super hot and it's under super high pressure. And so the way that we think we can replicate fusion is having something that's super hot and is under a ton of pressure. Okay. Okay. Because that's all we know. That's all we know. It's like dumb monkeys just like, well, it does it there. We can try it here. Right. (laughs) Well, that's like when we look for like extraterrestrial life, we just look for planets that are like Earth. Yeah. Because like the only example we have is Earth. Mm-hmm. So life could definitely exist in other ways, but the only example we have is Earth. So we just look for stuff like us, <laughs> you know. We'd probably like the stuff that's more like us, anyways. Like if we yeah. found some sort of life form that existed on a totally like hostile living environment for us, we'd be like, no, like that's weird. Yeah. If it, like we found an Earth that, that looks like Avatar or something, we'd probably be way more into it. Right. um so that's like what we and maybe there's like reasons why like that's like better for fusion i don't know um but um basically like if you could like right now we have like nuclear reactors for fission um but if you could have a reactor for fusion um you could basically power the whole world like that with one reactor i don't know how many oh yeah but like we could but with like the amount of fission reactors we have right now, we could definitely power the world with fusion reactors. We're already powering the world though, right? I mean with 
well, the world is powered somehow. Yeah, with like fossil fuels, right? Okay, so and like solar and okay, so you're basically saying like we wouldn't need fossil fuels anymore. Yes, if we mastered fusion. Yes. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of research going into fusion right now, um, but like the way that we do it now is um, like we use like electricity to basically mm-hmm. like power like lasers to like heat things up super hot. And then there's also like pressure involved. Um, but that's all like energy you're putting into the system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, energy to create energy. Well, the idea is that if you could accomplish fusion, the energy you got out would be way more than what you put in. Yeah. Um, but all of those circuits right now are made up of like copper. And so there's a limit to how much energy we can put th- into that system. Mm-hmm in order to like heat things up, for example. And if you remember like, since um, like we have just normal conductors that like lose energy, Mm -hmm. um, they cause heat. So right now, like the limit on why we can't like create fusion as Mm -hmm. far as we know is that um, basically we can't put enough energy into the system in order to start fusion because the whole thing will get so hot that it'll basically just like melt. Okay, like all our copper wires and like all our the systems, whole thing. the whole thing that's set up. The to whole reactor. Create heat. Cause yeah. We just don't have a material material yet that can transfer that much energy. Transfer that much energy without losing enough. Okay, and then in in transferring so like when we've tried to transfer that much energy, our systems are so inefficient right now that it creates so much heat that everything just melts. Yeah, I mean, things aren't literally melting, but that's what would happen. That's like, that's on why on paper can't. when we run the simulation before we actually do it and like cause like a meltdown. Mm-hmm. That's what would happen. Yes. So okay, so from here, my guess is that the benefit of a superconductor is that you don't have that meltdown and that you can create enough heat to create nuclear fusion without having the reactor meltdown. Yeah, because there's no energy loss when you're transferring electricity through a superconductor. So there's no heat created by that. Like, so of course, you're creating heat in the reactor, like, via, like, lasers and other things, right? But, but that's heat you want for the reaction. Yeah, it's not wasted heat that's just going towards, like, melting the reactor. You're getting energy exactly where you want it without any losses. So it's like if your car engine worked and moved your car so you have that energy but there was no heat coming from the engine so you didn't your your heater essentially didn't work because your car engine was just so efficient yeah it's kind of like say like for some reason we knew that if you got your car up to a certain speed you could cause like nuclear fusion Mm -hmm. right um and right now with like the materials we have to transfer energy your car gets so hot that it melts before it can get to that speed, right? Mm, like but now we can get really hot. But now we can make the engine speed. out of a different material that doesn't get hot, and so we can get to that speed without my car melting. Exactly. And I would never have my heater working again because it'd be so efficient. Yeah. So. Um, so that's one application. Okay, so that's one application. So. In that application of a superconductor, the world would be 
fossil fuel free, mm-hmm. potentially. And I mean, if fusion's more powerful than fission, do we? And nuclear plants right now are allegedly one of the greenest sources of energy. Mm-hmm. Do you know approximately how much more powerful fusion is than fission? Um, I don't. I could look it up. Okay, because that, that's kind of my next question is like nuclear power is theorized to be like, you know, the way of the future or whatever. And fusion is a form of nuclear power. But right now we're just doing fission, which everyone's afraid of because of like Three Mile Island. And um, why am I blanking on the name of it right now? Um, Chernobyl. Yeah. So everyone, not everyone, but nuclear power has lost a lot of popularity since Three Mile Island and Chernobyl. Chernobyl, I think most people know of Three Mile Island, I think is the correct name, but I think that was a town in Pennsylvania that was near a nuclear power plant that had a meltdown. So that was like a United States thing. And as most U.S. citizens know, we Americans really care about what happens in America. So um, while Chernobyl is terrifying, I think Three Mile Island um, probably had more of an influence on American politics, perhaps. I don't know. Um, I'm just pontificating here. But I guess I'm wondering... Could we run all the world's power right now on nuclear fission alone? Yes. If we set up enough power, like nuclear power plants? Yes. And we just don't do that for a multitude of reasons. One being like public opinion and fear of like nuclear meltdowns. I just think it's interesting that we could right now power the entire world off of nuclear fission alone, mm-hmm. but we don't. Do you? Can you think of like other reasons why we don't, other than just like fear? Um, well, I mean, so fission—it's not like creating energy out of thin air, right? Uh-huh. Um, you need like um, like a radioactive material. Something is radioactive when it emits um, protons or neutrons. Um, so, like the reason I'm not like a uh, energy source for fission Mm -hmm. is because all of my atoms are super stable. It'd be hard to fizz you. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that's why like radioactive atoms are important for fission. So we try to find things like what's, um, what's radio. What's that one thing they used to put in watches to make them glow? Uranium. Is uranium radioactive? Yeah. Okay. So uranium is, Uranium is, like, the main ingredient in, like, um, fission reactors now. Because that's, like, one of the um, matter. It's radioactive. A matter we know that's radioactive that's easy for us to access. Yeah. Like, um, I know another one is plutonium. There's other ones, too. Is uranium just, like, the easiest? Is that why? Um, I don't know why. Uh, Maybe it's, like, more radioactive or it's easier to like undergo fission with it. So we we use material to to do fission, yes. right? Radioactive material. Yeah. So 
you can use that material to to undergo fission, but afterwards you have all this leftover like radioactive material. And as we explained at the beginning, radioactive material is bad because of free radicals, right? No. No? <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Radioactive material is bad. Don't go near it. I don't yeah. know why, but we just don't. I mean, so I guess it's the same idea with free radicals. So free radicals are trying to take electrons from your atoms. Yeah. Radioactive material is emitting protons and neutrons. Oh, so it's a... Okay, so this to me is like atom dark magic. Okay. The one we're used to is the free radicals where they're just trying to steal electrons. That's like the normal dark magic. But then like radioactive material dark magic is like throwing protons and neutrons at you. And yeah. And what that does <laughs> is it knocks things out of your DNA. Which is funny. And it's not funny. But when my dad um, had a tumor in his eye and he had ocular melanoma, fun fact, guys, you can get skin cancer of the eye. Um, so where you're polarized and hundred percent UV sunglasses when you get the chance. Um, but he got treated at UC Davis lab. I forgot the laboratory, but, um, they just, I can't remember the name of it either. The treatment. Cause this was like 10 years ago, but they basically shot protons at his eye to try to, um, get rid of the tumor. Right. And stop like any metastasizing. <laughs> so in that case, were they trying to like affect the DNA of the tumor so that it like yeah, would spread? They're basically trying to kill the cancer by mm -hmm. throwing protons at it. And that's a form of like radioactivity basically. Yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So my dad had radioactive treatment. Yep. That's kind of cool. Oculate. What was it called? It had a cool name, I remember, but... God, that was crazy. Yeah, he got treated at UC Davis the summer before I was supposed to go there. Just happenstance. Um, yeah, he happened to get this, like, rare form of cancer. And his doctor, that was, like, one of the first things that they did to get rid of the tumor was send him to Davis to this lab. And I went with him. Yeah, I remember I would always walk by that lab. Yeah. it's kind of It was kind of crazy for me because I was like, oh, it's... It's fate. My dad's cancer is getting treated at the college I'm supposed to go to, but uh, it's just cool. It's just cool that you go to a good college. Anyways, um, okay, so, so one of the, your theories is that there's leftover radioactive material after doing nuclear fission, which is probably one of the reasons we don't have more nuclear power plants. Yeah, I mean, it's not my theory. Like, that's a fact, and there's nothing you can do with that radioactive material like what we do with it right now is we just entomb it in like concrete, like nuclear waste, hundreds of feet under the ground and we just leave it. This brings me back to stuff you should know. There's another great episode on the like, it's a thought experiment, but also like potentially a real problem is what to do about nuclear waste and how to warn future um, human beings about it in the case of like a world disaster to tell them not to go near the nuclear waste site. Okay. So we don't like nuclear power reactors, but so I, I'm just thinking, so do we not have the problem of radioactive waste with fusion? Um, well, I don't know. Fusion has a different fuel source. 
I don't know what that is. Because you're putting it together. Um, but it's not based on radioactivity because radioactivity is the opposite. It's emitting things, right? Uh-huh. The reason you want uranium is because you basically cause a chain reaction, right? So like if you have um, like a block of uranium, it's just emitting protons, right? Uh-huh. So what you do is you shoot like protons or neutrons at it with like a gun mm-hmm. and that's going to hit some atoms of uranium in that block. And what's going to happen is it's going to hit those and then it's going to cause th- those protons and neutrons to shoot off from the atom. And those atoms are going to hit, or those protons and neutrons are going to hit other atoms. And it's going to cause, it basically causes a chain reaction. Because it's already thrown protons and neutrons out? Yeah. So it's easier to start that chain reaction because it's already doing that. Yes. So once we shoot it a little bit more, it's like enough to break it apart. Yes. Okay. So that's that's how fission works. Fusion's the opposite. You're putting things together. Uh-huh. So there's some fuel source for fission that we or fusion that we would use, um, but it's not going to be radioactive because that's not that's precisely the property you don't want. Yeah, you don't you- want things emitting. You want it to be really easy to fuse together. So like in the sun, the sun will fuse like atoms of all kinds, like different elements. Uh-huh. Um, but like the most basic one is it takes hydrogen, which is one proton orbited by one electron. And fusion works by, um, at the most basic level, like smashing two atoms of hydrogen into one atom of helium. And helium's defined by having two protons. Yes. Atoms or all matter is defined by its protons, no? Or yes, yeah, like yeah. different. Well, yeah, elements are defined by the number of protons they have. Okay, so we've talked about one use of the room temperature superconductor. Are there other potentially world-changing uses? So, um, like quantum computing. Um, really small computing. No, <laughs> but um, so like right now computers are based on transistors, which are like little gates, like they're either open or they're closed. A binary, huh? Yes, exactly. So like you ever see like ones and zeros? Yeah, it's all, that's all, it's all. That's all just is. telling a transistor to open and close, open and close, open and close. Okay. Um, and you can program a computer to do certain things based on like like that pattern. How many zeros and ones do you have? Yeah. But quantum computers, they use, um, I think they're called like qubits or something, qubits. Uh-huh. Um, but those are basically the transistors. It can be open and closed at the same time. And so somehow you can do c- computation with that. Um, so it can represent a zero and a one at the same time. It's Schrodinger's qubit. Yeah. <laughs> somehow that I guess leads to exponential increases in computation okay well I don't even know what a you said a quantum something in there okay so supercomputing is cool and like could have cool ramifications because we could figure more things out okay so one example I know of with quantum computers is that right now we basically we can encrypt messages um, like across the web. Like when you pay for something, mm-hmm. um, 
My credit card's encrypted. Your yeah, so it's not like it, if your credit card wasn't encrypted when you pay for something, anyone on the internet could listen in and if they saw that like transfer of information, they could just have your um, credit card information. Mm-hmm. But we encrypt that information so that only like certain people, so only like the um, the person who's processing your payment can decode that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you, it's basically you do that using uh, an algorithm. And an algorithm is just, it's basically like a recipe. It's like you put something in, something happens, and then you get something out, mm-hmm. right? So there's different encryption algorithms. So it's like if you have the key, you can figure it out. Exactly. And the person who's processing your payment has the key. They have the Rosetta Stone. No one else has the key. They can't see it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically how the modern internet is works. Is There's one, one algorithm called RSA, which is like basically used all across the internet to encrypt things. Mm-hmm. And it's just like basically a math problem um, where if you have the key, you have some numbers basically that allow you to solve the math problem. Mm-hmm. But um, there's an idea in computation called brute force where you could just try as many keys as you could think of mm-hmm. until one of them works, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a really powerful computer, you could try, like these keys are like like hundreds of digits. Like they're like trillions and trillions and trillions um, of digits. Or they're, they're, they represent like trillions and trillions. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like hundreds of digits. Um, and the only reason that someone can't brute force that is because the digits are so long that you can't try all those combinations because our computers aren't fast enough. Right? And you can't do it manually because it would take you 800,000 years. You, I mean, our computers can't do it, right? Our computers computer- can't do it, so you definitely can't. Yes. <laughs> okay, so our can't, uh, computers can't do it because they're not powerful enough? Yeah. They can't try all those combinations. They would need more energy. They would need more just... They're, they would need more speed. It doesn't matter how much energy you put into it. Well, they would need more speed... Which requires more energy? Or Which no? requires a whole different kind of computer, a quantum computer. Oh. And so quantum computers are way faster than our current computers. Uh-huh. Um, we can't build, like, um, practical quantum computers right now because of energy loss of some kind related to regular conductors. You know what's funny? This is the first I'm hearing of quantum computers. It's like a big area of research. Like people are building them, um, but they're just like not practical yet. It's like before the personal computer at home, like when they used to have just only computers and like research institutes and whatnot, because it wasn't like practical to make for everyone's home use or like office use. It is yeah. that a similar idea? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's like a, a downside of having quantum computing for everyone. Yes. So we would just need to figure out a new way to encrypt things. Yeah, but so this is kind of separate, but um, like right now, like people have developed better algorithms that are even harder to solve mm-hmm. so that once we have quantum computers, we could still encrypt messages even though they're so powerful because the problems are even harder. 
Okay. Okay, but eventually the computer's going to figure that out. So we just got to keep making it harder and harder. Harder and harder problems. Um, but, like, something that, like, con- countries are doing right now, like, um, I'm sure, like, most major countries um, have a program. Like, China definitely has one. U.S. definitely has one. Is they're basically recording all traffic. So, like, the U.S. or China are trying to record all the internet traffic in the other countries. Uh-huh. Because if they have it recorded, which is it's encrypted right now, and we, we can't read it, right? Uh-huh. Because we don't have the keys. But if you record it and later get quantum computing, you can decrypt you can all of that. Steal all of that. So that's like a big thing that like governments are like sp- like spy agencies and governments are doing right now is they're recording internet traffic. So that once we get quantum computers, they can decrypt all of it. So it's a race to quantum computing, basically. Yes. Yeah. I mean, once once the first someone country to like nor make it right gets access to all the data from all the other countries, and can also figure out how to encrypt better going forward. Right. Well, we already can encrypt things against quantum computing, but we just don't. Because we don't need to. Yeah. We don't need to. But recording all of this leaves us vulnerable to future attacks yes. on past data. Yeah. So like once we have quantum computers, like whatever, like say China like records like US internet traffic, right? They can see what we were doing like yeah. today, like 10 years from now. Wow. That's uh-huh. scary. So this is a room temperature superconductor might make it possible to have quantum computing just normalized or yeah i think it makes it a lot more practical for some reason because those computers probably require a lot of energy yeah and maybe it's the similar problem with fusion reactors where like it just gets too hot right now and you would need like a ton of fans or something to cool it down or like keep it in like a sub-zero room or something yeah. like that i mean i think that's already what they do for like these research quantum computers is like keep them in like an ice cold room and like yes. lots of fans. Um, and I think actually even, I mean, some of these research quantum computers probably use superconductors wow. already, but they're not room temperature. So they would like say they're like a negative 32 degrees Celsius conductor. Superconductor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you would have them like in the frozen room. And but that's like, not practical for like everyone to have a laptop with a quantum computer in it. You don't have a fridge you can put your computer in? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. <laughs> um, it's funny because I live with you. So if you did have a fridge you could put a computer in, I would know. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have nuclear fusion is possible now. Without radioactive waste, which we like because us humans, that's bad for us, radioactivity. We have the possibility of quantum computing for regular people. Um, so like the revolution the evol- revolution of like having personal computers at home, it could be like the, tar- the take two, right? Quantum computing at home. Yes. Anything else that... Um, yeah, I mean, there's other... So... Um- Lossless energy transfer, right? Okay, so like supercars, like electric cars, would that be it? Like electric cars could be crazy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining an electric car that could en- go like a thousand miles per hour with no problems. Yeah. Is that possible? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, go on. 
um, so like energy transfer, right? Like uh-huh. you could have like solar panels in the Sahara Desert. Oh. And right now that doesn't work because if you wanted to transfer that energy, because no one lives in the Sahara or very few people do, right? Yeah. If you want to transfer that energy to like Europe, right? You're going to lose too much energy by the time it gets there to make that worth it. Uh-huh. If you have superconductors and you transfer all that energy without any losses, you could basically power all of Europe by putting solar panels in the Sahara. So you could put solar panels just like out in the Pacific Ocean, just like a solar panel farm floating on the ocean mm-hmm. and lose none of that energy transferring it back to the United States. Yeah, or like wind turbines. You probably wouldn't have to do that because you'd probably have fusion. I was going to say, would renewable energy even matter at the point? Well, you would lose less energy from your fusion reactor to people's homes. Yeah, so we'd have fusion reactors and then we're like, (laughs) good thing I didn't buy solar panels because that's obsolete. Um, Although I'm pretty sure SDG&E would figure out a way to upcharge me up the butt for nuclear fusion energy probably but that's more political i mean that's that's where politics come in and i'm like nothing solves anything because people just want money and lobbyists are gonna lobby mm-hmm. and sdg and e is gonna charge you for all that nuclear fusion energy they're gonna charge you what's called a service fee and that's gonna be basically the bulk of your charge is like we brought you this energy mm-hmm. um until we can use our quantum computing to make a nuclear fusion reactor at home that could be possible, right? I don't know. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, so I forgot. You, well, talking about like other oh. applications. So another property of superconductors mm-hmm. is that they can emit really strong magnetic fields. Okay. Um, and so you could have like, um, like, um like trains that like, you know, like maglev trains. No. So like in Japan and some other places, they have trains that run on magnetic levitation. Oh, that's cool. Like, can I guess? Like a negative magnetic field and then a negative magnetic field so that they repel each other and then you use that repellent energy to push the train forward. Exactly. Fun fact. I only know, I've never heard of these trains before, but in this book I read as a kid, it was like a science fiction book and it's in a world in the future where everyone gets plastic surgery when they turn 18 to become beautiful, but they have hoverboards that are basically based on that idea that it's like negative magnetic energy and then like repelling magnetic forces. Yeah. Yeah, So you could, um, like right now they have those. Uh Um, and the nice thing is that there's no friction between them and the ground because they're levitating. Uh-huh. Um, but it takes a ton of energy to to have them operate. So it only is makes that, sense. Why do they take a ton of energy? To create that magnetic field? To create the magnetic field. Yeah. Oh. Um, I thought it was just magnetic tracks and a magnetic train that would just... Um, no, they have to generate that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because... Your girl was thinking like kitchen magnets. No. Those, okay. So that's the thing is that those wouldn't be powerful enough to hold like a like thousand ton train with people in it. Okay. Right? So you need electricity to produce that much <laughs> magnetism. But superconductors, I guess, 
have way stronger magnetic fields. Uh And so you could build one for a lot less energy. So you could basically have those like all over. That'd be cool. So that's where flying cars come in. You could have flying cars. Yes. Okay. Now we're getting to the juice of it. (laughs) Cause, uh, I heard flying cards. What time, what time is it by the way? Uh, 6.36. Okay, so let's try to wrap this up soon. So, yeah, I, I heard something about flying cars, and now this is making a lot of sense. I'm glad that we went through all the nitty-gritty details of it before we got to flying cars, because I definitely don't think I... Yeah, I, I still don't understand everything, but um, that's cool. That'd be cool to have flying Teslas or whatever. So the room temperature superconductor that... I don't know, didn't just get discovered, but they just ha- ran a successful experiment where we're, can you explain, let's talk about LK99. Like what, what, what's happening? What, what's the recent news, breaking news? Um, so basically like a week and a half ago. Um, Today's August 6th. Yeah. Just so you know. Like a week ago, um, the, um, this research team from South Korea published a couple papers on this uh, material that they call LK99 um, that um, basically like um, claims that it's a room temperature superconductor. And they publish, and it's a peer reviewed? No, no, it's not peer reviewed. So this hasn't been peer reviewed yet. So I'm not in STEM, so I'm not really familiar with the publishing paper process. So you have a theory at your lab, you conduct an experiment or whatever, and then you get your data and results, and then you publish a paper on it with, you know, your thesis or hypothesis and your conclusions, right? And then after that, people can look into how you conducted your experiment and whatnot and try to replicate it. Mm-hmm. And that's the peer review part. Well, I mean, it depends on what kind of things you're claiming, but yeah, it's peer review is just that, right? It's people who have expertise in the same field you do look at your paper and basically like verify that what you did or are claiming to have done um, is true. What prompts peers to review? Because I feel like everyone would want their own name on a paper that's like, this is what I found. Not like my name on a paper where I'm like, yeah, I I did the same experiment they did and got the same results. We're good to go. Like, why would you want to review someone else's work? Yeah, I mean, well, so right now, like a lot of people are trying to verify. So to back up, like these papers came out, they're not peer reviewed. There's a website where you like academics can publish papers that aren't peer reviewed just to the website and people can look at them. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened with these papers. Okay. Okay. And so with that, it's not peer-reviewed yet. And so people are now trying to verify what they're claiming. One of the reasons, like, why would people want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, in the case of this, this is, would be a huge discovery. A lot of money. So if I was like STG&E and I wanted to charge people for nuclear fusion and make more of a profit... I might pay my scientists to peer review this publication to see if it's true. I, I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out how that works. Like who, cause there has to be some sort of incentive, right? To peer review. Yeah. It's, I mean, so <laughs> one is prestige, 
right? Okay. Like having your name attached, even as a reviewer, oh, to so the biggest discovery of the 21st century. So if Harvard's not a part of it and they want to be a part of it, they could try? Yeah. Okay. The second is with any new discovery, right, there's going to be patents and like IP related to it. Uh-huh. So s- this team already has some patents related to it. Uh-huh. But say you, you know, try to, to verify it and now you know how to do it and now maybe you come up with an improvement to the process. Now you patent that improvement and now you have the best way to make this new room temperature superconductor. Uh, right? So I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why someone would want to, but that's one of the reasons. But I'm thinking like corporate corporate money would probably want that too, like to add on to the patent, like because if you're if you have the best version of the technology, if your name's on that and you own that, you get presumably paid for when people use that, right? I mean, I, obviously I don't know anything about IP law. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm sure private industry is also really incentivized to try to replicate it. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to... I'm, I'm thinking it through because I'm just... I feel like my mind always goes like things are used for money making endeavors. Right. And so money, like follow the money. That's always corporate money. But I feel like this is a good example of how capitalism works and how sometimes it's good. Right. Like, because there's money to be made off of this. If you own the intellectual property, especially it encourages people to peer review and possibly improve what, already exists um which is how we get the iphone yeah (laughs) um okay so they published the article it's not peer-reviewed anything else that's like i mean a lot of stuff so it's not peer-reviewed right someone they just came out with it yeah and it's gonna take a minute to to peer review it yeah yeah it's not gonna be like tomorrow no so like as a little background, like there's been other claims of room temperature superconductors in the past. Uh-huh. Like just like um, last year, like this um, paper got retracted from like a, a big science journal uh-huh. because it had claimed um, some, it wasn't room temperature, but it was like some sort of like um, superconductor that operated at like higher temperatures uh-huh. than like what we have. And it turned out that like the person like falsified data. And so, like, in why the, would they do that? Because they want to be the one that has the but discovery. Someone's gonna figure it out. Are they? I mean, they did, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't explain why they would do that, but that's probably their thinking. It's just human nature. Is yeah, they probably got a lot of recognition for it at the time, and maybe they thought they could get away with it. So th- that's not the point. The point is that. There's been a lot of like claims of high temperature superconductors before. High temperature. Like higher than what we have right now. Okay. Okay. So that's one reason that people are really skeptical is because this has happened before. Uh-huh. Right now, this is the most convincing um, like claim that anyone has had, which is why it's getting a lot of attention. Why is it the most convincing? Well, because they have videos showing their process. Uh-huh. Um, or they have videos showing the actual material, and it has some 
characteristics of superconductors. They published a paper that wasn't complete, but it had instructions for creating their material, which is also important because you want people to be able to make it independently of you, uh-huh. right? So that they can make it and then they can test it, right? Uh-huh. Um, so that that's one reason. Um, like there's a lot of drama around the actual release of the papers as well, <laughs> um, which is kind of fun, but... Um, it shows that people believe it, that like, it right? It makes it more convincing that th- they aren't just faking it, but they actually think that they have something. Because they all want to be on those papers. Yeah. So what happened was um, basically um, the, so it's called LK99. Uh L and K or Lee and Kim. So it's just two last names of like the main people who have worked on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And 99 is actually the year they discovered it, 1999. So they've. I saw that when I was researching. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really know how long they've thought it's a superconductor for, um, but they've known about it and have been interested in it since 99. Is this like an entirely new material? Like. Yes. That's why they they named it because it didn't exist before. Okay, so I'm going to ask kind of a dumb question. But you know on the periodic table, when they have the main table, and then they have these are the elements that we've added since mm-hmm. then, would LK99 be like one of the elements they've added since then? No. So it's not, it's not a... It's okay. a combination of elements. Which they call a molecule? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yep. Allegedly. So it's a molecule, mm-hmm. a combination of elements, a special combination of elements that might add up to be a superconductor. And they've been thinking that it might be a room temperature superconductor since it may be 1999. Or, yeah. That's the year that they discovered the molecule. Yeah. And that's when thoughts about it started happening. They don't, we don't know exactly. I mean, they were at least interested in it enough to like, have record of it, right? And yeah. like um research it more. So anyways, um they they've known about this for a while. Uh-huh. Um and they've been doing tests on it and stuff like that, right? Uh-huh. Um and it like uh the first paper that got released was um from was uh, the story is that it was basically leaked by one of the researchers who had been kicked out of the Institute like a few months ago. Um, and it had like, it was really rough. And so people, at first people didn't really believe it because it was like really poorly written. Uh-huh. Um, and there's only three authors on it. It was L and it was K and it was this third guy. The guy who got kicked out. The guy who got kicked out. So his name's not in LK99. No. Is that because he got kicked out? No. Oh, okay. So he, he got kicked out um, a few months ago from this institute. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, kicked out, but he left. He's not affiliated with it anymore. And people, and, and so what happened is he released that, he released that paper. That's mm-hmm. what L and K say is that they didn't approve the release. Mm-hmm. They weren't ready. Yeah, they wanted to continue to research it uh-huh. and make a really strong case, submit it for peer review, right, like we talked about, and then get a major journal, like a science journal, to publish it so that it had the strongest case. This could have taken another 10 years, right? So some people say that maybe it was good that he leaked it 
because they've had this compound since 1999. We don't know how long they've thought it was a superconductor for, uh-huh. but some people say maybe it's good that this guy released it because who knows how long it would have taken for them to release a paper. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like they weren't releasing it for like essentially like bureaucratic reasons, like going through the right steps and maybe wanting... I mean, I don't know what human reasons might play into that too. Like, I don't want to publish a paper on this until I know for a fact before I like put my name on it, Mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't help because yeah, who knows how long it would take to peer review, get it into like a significant scientific journal. Like that could be another 10 years. Meanwhile, if you publish the paper now, even like a super rough draft of it, it gives people the information they need to do their own experiments and do their own research into it. And so we might have this technology like 10 years sooner than it could have otherwise been just because this guy circumnavigated the official processes. Mm -hmm. Is, is there a reason why that could be bad though, that he published it too early? Like, well, a lot of people think the reason he published it is because he So a Nobel Prize can be awarded to three people at most. And so there was three people on that paper, L, K, and this third guy, right? Yeah. So a lot of people think that he just wants to get credit. For a Nobel Prize. For a Nobel Prize. And the day after he released it, he also presented at like a conference about the material. So it seems... So it seems a little sus. Two hours after he released that leaked paper, Uh L and K released their own paper with four other people on it who don't include that third guy on the first paper. Okay. So it's basically their version of the paper, like an updated version. Okay. Without that that third guy. Is there anything like substantively different about the two? Um, it's apparently they, so that third guy is not affiliated with the universe or um, institute anymore. It's like okay. a South Korean like government research institute. Okay. Um, he's not affiliated with it anymore. So that paper was just leaked and that's it. The second paper um, had more information and they've been updating it like every week. So they've already updated it at least once with like additional findings. So, so this they're has doing been like the research. kick in the ass for them to just publish their own research. Yes. Okay. Okay. Any other big thoughts on this? Um, not really. I mean, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see, like, there's a lot of like Twitter threads of people who, because these papers are public, right? Yeah. So all kinds of universities all over the world are trying to replicate their findings. Some of them have replicated some things. Some people haven't. Um, and people don't know if it's a problem with like the process that was published because the paper wasn't ready. I mean, that's Uh another reason you know, it might have been better to wait for the process to um, be vetted before releasing it. Because it would have made it more clear. The instructions aren't very clear. So a lot of people are trying to recreate it and they don't even know if they have the same substance. Um, So there might be confounding variables that are messing up the results of their experiment. Yeah. Because they don't have really clear instructions on how to do it. So it might have been better to, you know, wait a few months till the original team had like, a really good recipe that they could share with people. But how do we know it would have been a few months? I mean, the no, fact that I, this, no one knows. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the fact that this has been going on since 1999, it's just like, yeah. I mean, again, we don't know how long they discovered and first synthesized it in 1999. Yeah. They could have done that 
and waited like, you know, 21 years. Yeah. And only like last year or, you know, been like, a few hey, years why ago. Why don't we try that LK99 again? Yeah. Like they might only have known that it's a room temperature superconductor or thought that it was a room temperature superconductor for like six months. Yeah. You know, so we don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. But anyways, so, I mean, I think just going forward, it'll be interesting. Like, um, like you said, like there's public institutes that are trying this, but there's also like private companies who are trying to recreate it and they have like the necessary equipment to do it. Um, and it's cool. It's like, there's people who are like posting videos of the process as they're going through it, like on Twitter. Um, so it's like, it's kind of like a cool, like, um, just like 21st century, like science experiment. Well, it's cool. Cause it, it seems like it's like the new frontier, you know, for science mm-hmm. and super exciting for a lot of different fields too. Um, cause it's pretty, energy is pretty applicable everywhere. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I learned so much just <laughs> You got guys, you can't see Sam's face, but he's rolled his eyes at me at least four times, like getting so annoyed at my questions, probably because I take them off topic. But the thing is, I'm too dumb to know what's on topic and what's off topic. So, <laughs> so whatever. Um, okay, we should get going because I have big Mondays is what we call it. Other, in other words, it's called scary Sunday scaries. Um, and we got to get food and walk the dog and all that stuff. But, um, Sam, thank you. Thank you for explaining that to me. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope I didn't annoy you too much. No, it was fun. It was fun. He says, okay, well, yeah, hopefully you all learned something about room temperature superconductors and how, why that's important. And, uh, yeah, LK 99 might be the title of this episode. All right. Bye.